Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Tried to have a new introduction. I assume that you kind of get tired of the same old, but I'm kind of a routine person. So there was my actor, um, McConaughey. I can't even remember his first name, but he always goes, all right, all right, all right. He's a fellow Texan like myself, so I thought I kind of borrowed it. I don't know how it went over, but anyway, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry. Today, our scripture comes from the book of Psalms, the 33rd chapter, and the 4th verse. The New American Standard Bible reads, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in faithfulness. Now, we're investigating faithfulness, right, as an element of the fruit of the Spirit. We have been given the fruit of the Spirit, we have learned, whether you want to believe it or not, Those elements of the fruit of the Spirit are in each and every one of us. They may be dormant, but they're there. This season of caregiving, hopefully, you know, is bringing those elements out. And that's what this podcast is attempting to do in this first season. Today, we are going to continue our investigation of faithfulness once again. And we see that this scripture turns our attention to the one who is faithful, our God. The psalmist tells us that not only is everything that God sets in motion is done out of his faithfulness, but that his word is right. And this is where we will begin with the question, why would the psalmist have to tell us that the word of God or the Lord is right? Why would he have to say that? Could it be just, could it be that the Lord knew that we would doubt him? Oh, perish that thought, right? But sadly, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we've done. That's what we continue to do. Even in the body of believers, there is doubt about God's word. Debate on what the scriptures means. Personally, I think a good, healthy debate is good. God tells us that we can test the spirit by the spirit and to study to show thyself approved. So in pouring through the word of God, it's good to, you know, take a healthy, you know, look and authentically trying to dissect the word of God for its accuracy. But it is not good to doubt its, its authenticity, I believe, or the accuracy um, when it comes to our, the times today, thinking that it is somehow irrelevant now in, you know, 2021. That's different from just having a debate and really trying to understand the Word of God. I think this is the reason for the first part of today's scripture. We aren't to doubt who God is and what His Word says. But let's start with the very first, let's start with the Word, Word. Let's dissect that Word, the Word, Word. This scripture. We can take, as other scriptures, we can take both literally and figuratively. Literally, the word word is the text of God, right? The Bible, the letters on the page. We know that the text of God is accurate. The Bible is accurate. How do we know this? One is by our faith, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you must come with that faith because While everything in the Bible is true, you may not receive the clarification or experience to know the truth firsthand, per se. And you will need some faith. Think about what we've discussed previously. God has a master plan. 
and all of us are a part of it and everything that occurs in our lives is working toward that sometimes yes we take detours but God knew that we would take a detour and has already set in motion the events that would either lead us back to him if we totally gone in the opposite direction or that continue us along the path that will get us back in the direction of his will he's not taken by surprise we do not know the ultimate outcome of the events of our lives sometimes hindsight can be 2020 2020 and bring clarity and sometimes it doesn't but we are to still have faith we are to still have faith second we know that the Bible is true can be based on what we've read in the Bible the Old Testament is really a history of God with man and it shows us accurately I believe what his intentions are for mankind he is clear what he expects and outlines to the Jewish people and what they are to do and then he even tells them that they will suffer as a result of their disobedience their willingness to worship other gods note here that God does not share his worship or praise with anyone or anything not our God if you want the full wrath of God, just start trying to put other things ahead of him and not allow him to be the priority that he is. That's the very first command that he tells you, that you shall not have any other gods before him. Yet, Israel bowed down to other gods. And God did what he said that he would do. And so they were captured by many different um, foreign enemies. Now, if you really want to be a history scholar, you must read the books in Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy. Toward the end of Deuteronomy, I believe, I'll never forget it in my Bible study that I have with my church. I forget which chapter it was. I just didn't bother to look it up. Forgive me. You can Google it, I'm sure. Israel is getting ready to possess the promised land. And Moses is, you know, giving them that history lesson on where they've come from because the generation that is getting ready to possess the land isn't the generation that was led out of Egypt because of their unwillingness to do what God had asked them to do in taking the land. They hesitated, they doubted him. So he allowed all of them to die in the wilderness. They run, you know, roamed in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Which was enough time for that generation to die. And then now this new generation is to go in. And the Lord is telling them through Moses that you're going to have to go in and subdue the land. Subdue is a nice way of saying they're going to have to go in and destroy the people who are already there. All the ites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all them ites <laughs> that are there. And then it says that if they do not go in and utterly destroy those nations, those nations will continue to be a thorn in your side. When I read that, my mouth fell open. Because isn't that what Israel is experiencing today? The conflict with the Palestinians? Why? Because they did not destroy them when they were supposed to. Now, I know that may sound harsh, and I'm not advocating for war or anything like that. You know, only as a last resort. I mean, I was in the military. But when God tells you to do something, you have to be sure that you are doing what God has advised you to do. And then you do it to the letter. If all of those years ago, the Israelites were to go in and conquer the land as God had instructed them to do, they wouldn't be where they are now. 
Now, I don't know what the current solution is for the state of Israel. I really don't think it's for the other countries to solve. They are going to have to answer to that when Jesus returns. I'm pretty sure that when he comes, he's going to settle things. So we see the prophecy of God's word coming true in the Old Testament and it being revealed in the New Testament. That's hope for our lives. That's how we know that God's word is right. I'm going to assume you are like me and have some very personal experiences with God where you took him at his word and you discovered that he's faithful. And because he's been faithful to you, you know that he's faithful in his word. His word, his text, the Bible. Now we're going to turn our gaze and our lens from the literal to the figurative. John 1.1 starts with, In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh. Now let's look at that scripture. We can see that it's saying that we can believe Jesus for who he says he is because he's right. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is right about all that he proclaimed and preached while he was here. He was right, he is the son of man. He was right that no man come to the Father except through him. He was right in that he is the true vine, the living water, the bread of life. Isn't that exciting? The word is right. And we can take confidence in that. It just, it blows my mind. I believe the second half of the scripture is given to us for the reason or rationale of trusting God. We can trust God because his word, text, Bible is accurate. And Jesus, figurative, the word made flesh, is everything that he said he would be out of his faithfulness. We can trust him. And if you read the New Life Bible version of Psalms 33 and 4, it says, For all God's words are right, and everything he does is worthy of our trust. Trust. That's what it boils down to. Trust. We can trust him. Do you trust him? Will you trust him with your heart and your head? This season of caregiving will test you as it did me. And for me, it made me decide that I was going to believe God for who he says that he is. And that's what he wants from each and every one of us is for us to believe him, for us to put our total trust in him. I know that his word is accurate. And he hasn't done anything out of anger, fear, selfishness, but out of his own faithfulness in who he is, which is love. And because he has such a great love for us, we know that his word is right and that everything he does is done out of his faithfulness. Praise God. Let's go before him today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your word that is written on paper and for your word that was made flesh and came and dwelt among us, that some could touch him and see him and talk to him and reason with him and that 
we have hope now that when he returns, we too will be able to touch him and see him. But while he is sitting there with you, that his spirit that lives within us speaks to us, that we feel him and you, the Trinity working in our hearts. For we know that you are right. And today we're placing our trust in you, God, trusting that you would help us in this season of caregiving to make it through this day. This day is what we're concentrating on, this day. The day that we may have to go to a doctor's appointment, the day when our loved one may come home, the day where we may have to bury our loved one, the day where we get a diagnosis that we didn't want, or a day where we get the diagnosis that we did want, a day where our loved one is getting better. Whatever it is, Lord, we're trusting you with this day. And as we trust you with this day, help us to trust you with the days to come. For you are faithful, and you are right, and we love you. But more importantly, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for demonstrating all the elements in the fruit of the Spirit that you've deposited in us, that they are a light post as to how you deal with us. Help us to walk worthy of the callings that you placed on our lives. Callings of caregiving, callings of being a spouse, a parent, an employee, an employer, whatever it is, Lord. We give it to you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, God is faithful in everything that he does, including you. Trust him today and go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus.